Well, good morning. How are you? As I was looking around, um, I was daring you. I, I would kind of like, don't do this, but I was like going to play that little intro again, and I dare you not to do this. You know, I was looking around, and everybody was kind of doing this, and it was like, that's pretty cool. Hey, look to your neighbor and uh, next to you or behind you, in front of you, and say, man, you look good. Have you been working out? Go ahead. Look at him. Go for it. Say it. Have you been working out? <laughs> Now, some of you just rolled your eyes at me at that. That was supposed to be encouraging. That's what you come to church for, to get encouraged, right? Hey, this is, I'm, I'm, if you've never been here before, my name is Cal, and uh, I'm the campus pastor here. And normally when I speak live, I'm up there. But because of the topic that we're going to talk about today, I'm going to be kind of down here. Is that okay? Can you still see me all right? I kind of want to be next to you. I want to be down where you live a little bit here for the next few weeks. And we're going to be talking about this subject for three weeks in a row. I want to tell you right up front that it's the most exceptional three weeks of the short history that we've had here at Hayward, as well as all of Crossroads. We're one church, two locations. So our broadcast location, some of you would say our main, we don't call it our main, but the original location is in Fremont, and it's been there for 21 years. We're only four months old, so there's a big difference there. So four months old, look around, and we're doing fairly good, but we could do better. Would you agree? Come on, we could do better. So we're moving, and I want to show you because our, this, is a, this is a huge three weeks, and you'll see why as I give more into this, but for our Fremont campus, they're moving into a new worship center this next three weeks, and we actually have a picture of that if it'll come on the screen of the new worship center. How about that? So some of you are like, I don't know what the difference is because I've never been there before. And that's okay. So we'll keep you updated. And when they're doing that, they're moving in for three weeks and into the grand opening is next month as well. We've named this series Ready, Set, Go. And then hopefully you'll kind of catch this as we get a little deeper into it as well. So inside of your program, you should have some note sheets. And I really want to encourage you to take notes because people that take notes really go to heaven. All right. I want to know. Just kidding, just kidding. But I really want you to take notes because you retain more when you write. Have you ever figured out you retain more when you write? And so don't just fill in the blanks. If, if something that kind of hits you that I've said that's not there or, you know, we, we, we really honor God. And sometimes God speaks inside of our spirit, inside of our heart. And he may say something, hey, I want to write that down. Something comes to your mind. So we're going to talk about this topic today in the Ready, Set, Go series. But today is about ready. Are, I'm going to ask you this question. Are you ready? And some of you are going to go, ready for what? Well, well as I said, we're four months new. I, I like that better than four months old. We're four months new as a campus, okay? And we're being discovered by our community. And in today's age, there's so many ways to communicate that we're trying to figure out the best way to communicate that we're actually here to get exposure, the best way to do that is through you. You know that, don't you? The best way to communicate is right here. We've got all this digital stuff, and we've got billboards, and we've got phones, we've got Facebook, we've got all that stuff. But the best way to communicate is right here. So that's how we're going to do this. So I think it's time for us to talk about really getting serious. And some of you, you picked a great day to come because this is the day we're going to talk about turning the corner as a church, period, in all directions. So this is the day we're going to talk about really getting serious and look at why do we even do this? Why do we come into a school, transpose, if you will, transform an auditorium? This is a lunchroom. You're actually in a lunchroom. And every now and then you come in here and smell stale pizza, you know, 
And if we didn't come in like three hours before you got here, which a, a whole team does, and I think every now and then we need to give that team a round of applause. They come early, like 6.30 every Sunday morning, and they blow it away, don't they? Because if they didn't come early, you not would only smell stale pizza, you might even step in it, okay? Because they clean it up, they scrape gum out, all kinds, because this is a high school, and you guys remember what it was like being in high school. Some of you are still there, but in high school, you just didn't care. You just wanted the pizza, and so that's kind of where we are in this. So Jesus gave us, and so I, I want to look at your notes, if you will, because Jesus gave us some pretty challenging words for us to follow him. And if you know nothing about Crossroads Church, the one thing you need to know about Crossroads Church is we follow Jesus, to, I mean, totally. Every word he says, the word of God, all that. But he gave us some challenging words, but he also showed us what to do by doing it. He didn't just say, do what I say. Jesus backed it up by doing what he asks us to do. And I wanted you to get that right off the bat. Because it's one thing to follow someone that claims to be God, and he just tells you to do what you need to do, but never did it. This guy did it. And he, he backed it up with those, word, with those actions and all those words. So today we're going to look at one example, really deep, of how he changed the world through people. And we're going to go deep into that. And then we're going to ask this question that this is what today's really all about. We're going to answer this question. Are, are you ready? So this is going to be, can I just say this right up front? So get, everybody give me eye contact for really quick. Give me eye contact. This is going to be a real challenging day for you. I mean, how many of you ever played sports before? Raise your hand. You played sports. And the coach looked at you that's about all of you. Can, we, can I see that hand, those hands again? Wow, I'm impressed. So you've all been coached in some way. How many of you have had a coach? Because all of my coaches said this, and I played sports right on through college, but they got really intense in college. How many of you heard this before? I need 110% of you. Come on, how many of you heard that? Um, I, I used to think, how do I give more than 100%? <laughs> how do I do that? I don't know, but you had to figure out a way if you're going to make the team or you're going to beat whoever. That, that's where we're at today as a campus. It's going to be that kind of a challenge to you. It's going to be a 110% challenge to you as a Christ follower today. So we're, we're, we're in John chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, you can get your Bible out. Some of you still carry a paper Bible. That's pretty cool. Or you can get your iPhones out, and you can look at John chapter 4 on your iPhones or your iPads, or you can use your eyeballs on your you know, note sheet or the screens because those scriptures will come up. But I want to set this up for you in John chapter 4 because in John chapter 4, there's a story, and then Jesus says something that's kind of familiar, but it's all in context, and I don't want to take anything out of context just to prove what I'm saying, all right? I want, I want to give you the whole contextual thing because it'll make a lot of sense if I do this. So what, what's happened here is Jesus had 12 disciples and those guys were, disciples means learner. They had 12 people following him, learning how to do this. And that's kind of what we are. And those disciples followed him everywhere. And they took over and started the church eventually. But they were traveling and they were pretty tired. And in this moment, the disciples went one way. And the Bible says in John 4, Jesus was pretty tired. He was weary from traveling from one place to the next. And so he saw a well and he went and sat down next to a well. And, you know, back in the day, and sometimes even in, in Asia, I've been in Asia. My, I'll talk about that a little bit later. My oldest daughter lives in Asia. And, and so the wells are really like the center of the community, and they're like the hub. That's where people go, and you get all the gossip. It's kind of like the water cooler of the office. Can I say that? 
and you get all the, all the gossip and all the stuff that's happening at the well. So Jesus sees a well, but nobody's there because it's not the time of the day to go to the well. There's a certain time of the day. But he goes and sits down, and he's tired. And as he sits down, there's a Samaritan woman. Now, if you know anything about biblical history, Jews, which Jesus was, Samaritans hated each other. If we, if we think we have a race problem in America, it's, that's romper room stuff compared to this. Jews and Samaritans, they, a Jew could not even say the word Samaritan. They hated him that bad when you look at the history of this. So a Samaritan woman comes at the wrong time of the day to draw water at the well, and we'll see why in just a few moments. And Jesus breaks the barrier of this prejudice and asks a Samaritan woman. And not only does he break the barrier of race and all that's going on in that tension, but in, in Asia, especially the Middle Eastern part of it, men and women didn't even talk much. I mean, it was a big thing going on. So Jesus broke two barriers by asking a Samaritan and a woman, hey, I'm tired, I'm weary, would you give me something to drink? And the woman was kind of blown away at this. So Jesus did some more talking, and this brought up a conversation. Are you familiar with the story? Anybody familiar with the story? Jesus brought up a conversation by asking about her family. Oh, that was like, a, what, you, you could have asked me anything, Jesus. You could have asked me about the weather. You could have asked me about the age. You could have asked me about the giants. None of them are doing good. You could have asked me anything, but you asked me about my family. Why? Because... She was embarrassed by this family. And she goes, I, I, I don't know if I should talk about that. And Jesus said, you know what? You're right, because you've been married five times. In other words, you, you don't do relationships very well. And, and Jesus said, the man that you're living with now is not your husband. In other words, you're shacking up with somebody now, thinking that this is going to fix everything. And the woman looks at Jesus and says, I perceiveth thou to be a prophet. <laughs> In other words, only a God could know this information about me. And that's why I'm at the well at this particular hour when nobody's here, because I didn't want anybody to bring that up. But Jesus always brings stuff up that we don't want to talk about. He really does. He's the master at that. He always puts his finger on things in you that you don't want to be exposed, because he's always trying to make you better than you are. And the only way you can get better than you are is to expose things that keep you from being better. Does that make sense? And Jesus wants to expose that stuff in us. Not to harm us, but to bring it out of us so that we can become who he wants us to become. So the woman says, hey, you must be a prophet. And this conversation actually comes from a conversation he had earlier. I put it in your notes that Jesus is talking about the water that he gives versus the water the well brings. And in, in verse 13, look at your note sheet or the screens. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, speaking of the water in the well that you draw out of the ground, will soon become thirsty again. We know that, right? He says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It, it becomes fresh. <laughs> it, it bubbles up. It's, it's like a spring within you. It, it will give you eternal life. You, you will stop having to try to find people or things in the world to fulfill what they can't fulfill. That's what Jesus is saying. And so the first thing Jesus says, you can put this on your note sheets. The first thing Jesus says is you can now drink something that brings real 
deep fulfillment. It's available to you. You can stop searching for it. You can just drink what I offer. That's what Jesus said. See, friends, listen to me. That, if you're on a journey to find fulfillment, that, right there, that statement is what Christianity, that's why we're doing this. That's what Christianity is all about right there. Even though, even though, listen to me, all hell is breaking loose in your life. Has that ever happened to any of us in here? (laughs) Even though all, I mean, it, it is really breaking loose in your life. Outside is going crazy. You could have lost this, lost that, lost a job, lost a friend, lost a loved one, even lost your health. It could be breaking loose. But something on the inside is happening very powerfully, very powerfully. So I want to I show you what this means. See, because even though all hell could be breaking loose outside, There can be a powerful peace, a powerful calm that's happening inside of you. Am I making sense? In the middle of all that chaos. So I want to take this off of paper, and I want want to introduce you to someone very special to us for just a couple minutes. She's going to tell her story a little bit. She's loved by us. She's on our core team. She's a person that started with us here at Hayward. Her name is Pam Thompson. So can you give Pam a hand? She's going to come up here and share just a little bit about what took place. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, I just wanted to share with you my thoughts on, on the water and everything, because through this journey, and it's, I've been very sick, and um, I just had surgery a few days ago, but it's all good. And through the journey, I have never been afraid. I have never been mad, and I feel so blessed because the reason is I know that Jesus is with me. He's never left my side. I go to uh, support, cancer support group meetings, and some of these women are so, so afraid and crying and scared, and I've never, ever felt that. I just know that this is a journey that God has put me on and that at the other end of it, I'll be able to help others. So um, that being said, I just want to leave you with my favorite verse now, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I know that God has a future for me, and I'm excited to see what that is. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pam. Pam had told me earlier, she goes, I I know that verse is my favorite verse because the plan was to be on this Hayward core team. As soon as we launched the Hayward core team, Pam found out she had breast cancer and went immediately into these brutal treatments that kind of zapped the life externally from her. But we all saw the life internally within her maintain. And I thought, what a beautiful moment to share as we're talking about the water that only Jesus can give you. So you can go through stuff. You can, the world can fall apart around you, but it doesn't have to fall apart in you. And that's what this water does. That's what Jesus gives to us. And, and this woman at the well, this is not a parable that Jesus told. This was an actual encounter that Jesus had at the well. And this encounter with Jesus changed this woman's life. I mean, I, I need you to really hear that. This encounter changed her life. And I want to ask you a personal question. Have you had an encounter with Jesus that literally changed your life? from the inside out. 
or do you just weekly have an encounter in church? There's a big difference. Are you with me? There's a huge difference because you can have an encounter in church every week, but still feel the chaos that the world's driving you inside of you. And Jesus can take that away from you. You know, I need to say this because coming to church, this is a school. So you know what church is, right? Church is when we gather as people. But coming to church doesn't make you any more of a Christ follower, even though you come every week. Then going to Taco Bell makes you a taco. Are you with me? You can go to Taco Bell every day and you'll not, I hope, not turn into a taco. Even though they say you are what you eat, <laughs> you're not, okay? You're not. And I want to I ask you that one more time. Have you, have you personally had this encounter? And you, you're going to see why I'm so passionate about this question in just a few moments. Because this, this woman's life was changed. And, it, and something completely different happened. This woman was at a well at an hour of the day. And nobody else was there. Remember all that background we gave. Okay, because she didn't want anyone to see her because of her past. Let's pick it up in John chapter 4, verse 27. This is in your notes as well. And I'm going to read a little bit and talk a little bit. Is that okay? I'm going to read a little bit and talk a little bit, and you might have to fill in some stuff, but we'll get through this in a way that really makes sense. Then, and just then, in verse 27, his disciples, those guys that were with Jesus, came back. Remember, they were separated. They went into town. He stayed at the well. They came back. Now, before I go on, remember I said I'm going to read a little bit and talk a little bit. Uh, John, the disciple John, wrote this. That's why the book is called John, okay? But he wrote this later. This wasn't written as it happened. He's reflecting on this story. It's kind of like you go on a vacation. Let's just use Hawaii. And you go to Hawaii and you come back and you're telling someone your story. The, the, the thing that you don't tell in your story or the thing, yeah, I think I've got this right. The thing you, you, you're not going to bring up are the things you didn't do. Does that make sense? Because you, you don't go to Hawaii and come back and tell the story. Yeah, I had a great time, Derek, because I, I didn't go to the waterfall. I didn't get that trip in the plane. I didn't get the parasail. I didn't. You don't tell things that you didn't do. You tell things that you did do. Am I making sense? And the only reason you say things that you didn't do is that you would regret... <laughs> That you didn't do it. Yeah, Derek, I did this. I jumped off that. And I went here and I sat there. But man, I didn't do. I wish I would have done that. And that's kind of what John's doing here. I want to, I want to set this real life story up because this is why John wrote this, this way. Because it says they were shocked when they came back to find him talking to a woman. But there's that big but in there. Okay. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? In other words, why did John put that in the story? I, I, I believe what I just told you that John regretted that they didn't ask this question at the time. Because, see, they, they're disciples, and as disciples, they're learners. And when you're, when you, when you're learning under someone that, that's like Jesus, because they called him rabbi all the time, you want to learn as much as you can so you would see this happening. This is a woman a man's talking to all alone. This is a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why are you talking to her? I would want to know that question if I'm under Jesus. Am I making sense? 
But they didn't even ask that question. I want to know why. And John's regretting this. Why are you talking to her? Verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everybody. This is how we know that this woman's life was really changed. She was there at the hour she was because she didn't want anybody to see her. After the encounter, she wanted everybody to see her. <laughs> have, have, has your life been changed like that? Where you want everybody to know, man, I, I, something's different about me, guys. And I'm going to tell you. I'm letting you know what's different about me. you got to come see what I'm involved in. That's what I'm saying, guys. We, we, we're changing some things because we're challenging you. Who's the last person you've actually invited to be with you when you encounter Jesus? Or, or, or I told you this is going to be real challenging. Or is, is this just become like a routine thing for you now? This is what we do on Sunday. Or you're here today because somebody invited you. <laughs> and that's an awesome thing. I'm trying to challenge you in the sense of what this woman did. And I think we see the contrast in this. She's telling everybody, the end of verse 28, telling everybody. I don't know how big this town was, but everybody she ran across. You got to come see a man. You got to come see a man. That's what it says. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. This man that I met at the well who talked to me, he was a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. He's a man. I'm a woman. He read my mail. <laughs> this dude asked me stuff, told me things that nobody but a God could tell me. This dude read my, you got to come see this man. So verse 30, the people came streaming. I don't know how many people, but I'm sure there was a lot of people because this is a memory that's seared in John's mind. There's a lot of people coming from the town to see Jesus streaming to see him. Then look at verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples who were just like dummies on a log here, didn't get it, urging Jesus, hey, Rabbi, eat something. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that wasn't good timing. Are you with me? That just wasn't good timing. Jesus, and so, so Jesus turns this into a teaching moment, as Jesus always does. He turns this into everything. And Jesus replied in verse 32, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Because they didn't get it. They're still trying to get him to eat the cheeseburger they brought from town. Come on, Jesus, you've been tired. That's why you didn't go with us. Eat something. And Jesus says, well, you don't understand. Time out. You saw the lady. You didn't say something. You saw the town. They're coming. You see them coming. And you're worried about if I've had dinner or not? I, I, I got food that you don't know anything about. That's what he's saying here. He's teaching them here. But they still miss it. They still miss it. Look at verse 33. Did, did somebody bring them food while we were gone? They still don't. Did, could somebody went, gone to Wendy's? I mean, we, we just went to Burger King. And they brought it to him? Is that it? They still didn't get it. Huge question for you today. Huge question that's a challenge. Because we see what the disciples, we see where their head was, right? Are, are you seeing this? So here's a question for you especially those of us who've been following Christ for quite a while. There's several of us in this room that you've been a Christ follower for a while. So here's a question for you, especially you. Is lunch more important to you than people? It's real quiet when I ask questions like that. 
Is lunch to you more important than people? Because it was to them. They didn't get it. A whole town is coming, and this woman is probably doing flips. I mean, this is a parade going on here because this woman's life was changed, and these disciples are like, Jesus, here's some burgers, man. Let's eat. And Jesus says, I, you guys don't understand. So then he gets into this in verse 34. Are you still there with me, guys? You still there? Okay. He explained. So this is, you've heard these stories, but this is the context of it. My nourishment, in other words, my food, comes from doing, remember what I said, Jesus can tell us what to do, but he also did it, comes from doing the will of God who sent me. In other words, what fulfills me the most is doing that which God has asked me to do. That's my food. I'm not even hungry anymore. I sat here because I was tired. I sat here because I was thirsty. It's all gone because I had an encounter with a woman and I gave her some water that only I can give, and that is what fuels me. Does that make sense, guys? That's what fuels. I'm telling you something. When you bring someone that's far from God to church with you, when you bring someone that's far from God to a Bible study, or you talk to someone who's far from God, and you see that the lights are coming on, nothing fuels you more than that. Nothing. You're not hungry anymore. You don't care about anything else. Matter of fact, if you bring someone here to church with you that's far from God, and maybe that's your journey today, you're, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, hey, Cal, I got, I got my guests with me today, and they, man, they've never been to church, or they went to church, and they're far from church, and they need to get back in church. You need to do good today. <laughs> you need to bring your A game today. And I'm like, man, I'm going to do everything I can with the tools that we've got. And, and, because there's a tension there. Are you with me? There's a tension there that's far more important than the hamburger you're going to eat later. And that's what I'm trying to get to you because the disciples didn't get this. And so Jesus said, that's what feeds me. And then he goes on in verse 35. You know the saying. Four months between planting and harvest. But I say, come on, everybody say it out loud. Wake up. Can we say that again? Wake up. Up, look around. The fields are ripe, and that word ripe means ready. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. They're ready for harvest. So, the second thing Jesus says, if you'll fill this on your notes, is people are ready. They are ready out there. They may not act like it because we have this God of entertainment going on out there as well. And there's a competition between entertainment and recreation and Jesus. There's a lot of competition, but people are looking for something to fill their soul with. Just like this woman. This woman was trying to do it with relationships. We all have been there before probably too. We know people that's been there. And everybody out there, and I'm not talking bad. I'm just talking that's truthful, including ourselves, are looking for something to fill us up with fulfillment. Amen? And people are ready, but they need you to be concerned. They're ready. They're ready for you, for you to invite them. They're ready for you to get into their life. They're ready for you to look into their eye and say, hey, I, I have found something that I need to talk to you about. I have something deep in me that we've got to talk. Can we, can we say, I need to share this with you? That's what I'm saying. When's the last encounter you had that you ran to somebody? This woman ran to town and pulled the whole city back to this guy. 
knew nothing about him other than the fact that he looked into her eyes and said, I got something that can take care of what you've been looking for. And it's not in any of the stuff you've ever found before. And that's what we need to talk to people. See, Jesus is saying the reason you want to go to lunch in the middle of this opportunity, and I know, look, I, I know some of you are like, when is he going to be done? I got stuff in, in the crock pot right now. Well, we got, we got plans. We got to do stuff. And the reason that you want to go to lunch sometimes in the middle of an opportunity is because here it is already. You don't see the world the way Jesus sees the world. That's okay. That's why we're talking about this today. I don't, I get, look, we all have this natural gravitation to self, don't we? I don't see it like he does. And I know that this is something I need to hear often because I lose my focus often. My focus becomes about me. Our readiness to harvest gets lost in a bunch, a bunch of distractions. You know, I wear glasses and I haven't always worn glasses up until I was about 40. Man, I could see a freckle on a, on a gnat. I mean, it, it was now I can't, I take my glasses off. I can't see you. I know you're there, but you're blurry. It's crazy, crazy stuff. But um, when I went to the doctor, and, and I, one day I just couldn't see, you know, especially when I was reading, I think that just comes with age, but it just gets worse, it just gets worse, and you, you put it off, and you put it off, and you put it off, and you put it off. Finally, your arms aren't long enough to hold things to read. You ever been there before? And so you can't do it. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, I got your diagnosis. And I said, my di- I know my diagnosis. I can't read anymore. He says, no, you're farsighted. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I can see things. I, I, I can see things. In other words, it was backwards to me. You're farsighted. I, I, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not farsighted. I can't see things close up. I mean, it's the only medical profession that, that you go to and they tell you what, you, you know, what you're good at. You know, you don't go to the doctor with a broken arm and say, hey, you got a good leg. <laughs> you, you just don't do that. So you got a broken arm. They, it's kind of crazy. It's all backwards. So why am I saying all that? I'm saying that I could see things far away, but I couldn't see things up close. I could plan things far away, but I didn't see things up close. Am I making sense? The people that were closest to me, I didn't care too much about. I could see things out there. Here's what I'm trying to say. I just can't see you. And I think that's what the world sometimes feels like from us people in our church chairs. We can see things like yeah, Jesus is, Jesus is, I just don't see you. Have you ever heard that before? Well, the church just doesn't care about me. Well, the church just doesn't really care about me. It's very valid. It's, it's, it, even Peter talks about this in, in, in his book that he writes in the second letter of Peter. He talks about being nearsighted and farsighted. It's a spiritual condition. And what, what he's saying to this is we get into this place that we don't feel comfortable or we don't, here's what, we get into this place where we don't feel responsible for what we can't see. Do I need to say that again? We get into this place where we don't feel responsible for what we can't see. And that's a spiritual condition. You only focus on what you can see. You stay in a world that's comfortable to you. So Jesus was saying here, guys, focus. This is, this is the bottom line. Focus, because I'm about to wrap this thing up with three blanks here in your notes. Focus. You want to eat lunch, but the whole town needs hope. 
Did you hear me? Jesus saying, focus. Put, put your glasses on. Don't just be comfortable with what you can't see. Focus. You want to eat lunch. You're actually concerned for me to have lunch, but there's a whole town who needs hope. You want to eat lunch, but there's 5 million people in the Bay Area that needs Jesus. Can we talk about that a little bit? You want to eat lunch, but there's 200,000 people in Hayward that's never set foot in a church. Can we talk about that a little bit? Let's focus. That's what he's saying. So what happens when we live this way? What happens when we don't live ready? Number one, you ready to write? Number one, what happens when we don't live ready? We get blinded by our own needs. We get blinded by our own needs. And I'm going to fly through these three things here because we begin, we begin to think that God is just for us. He is for you, but not exclusively. Can I say that? God is for you, Pam, but not exclusively. That's what gets churches in trouble because we get inward. I heard someone say just this morning when we were talking about this, said, hey, you know what? They were talking about their brother or sister somewhere in another town. Yeah, our church is really small, but I like that. That's when you're just seeing you because that's comfortable. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that this isn't about numbers. This isn't about pride. This isn't about ego. There should never be a small church unless we break it up into pieces all over town. <laughs> Because every person is important to God. And that's what this story represents. So a lot of churches become very ingrown and no concern about the outside. When we lose our readiness, we lose our mission. When we lose our readiness, we lose our mission. We get binded by our own needs. Here's a quick test. Check your prayer life. Anybody pray? Do you pray? Check your prayer life. Is your prayer life me, I, me, mine, my family, my... Is your prayer life all about you, 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 you? Here's another way to test this. If your prayers, every one of them in the last 30 days were answered, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> but listen, if your prayers in the last 30 days were answered, would they change the world or just change you? That's how you know if you're farsighted or nearsighted. <laughs> Would they change the world or just change you? We get blinded by our own needs, don't we? And Jesus saw this in these guys. He said, guys, we got we to focus here. So if you're not careful, you'll live that way, and it will cause you to live like this. Number two, insulated and forget about other people. You'll live insulated and forget about other people. This is really easy to do because, guys, listen, this is the Bay Area. I know it's expensive to live here. I thought I'd get an amen on that. <laughs> it's expensive to live here. But we, come on, we live a pretty good life. Are you, are you with me? We live a pretty good life. How many of you drove to church today? Come on, you drove here. How many of you have more than one car? Raise your hand. Yeah, over half of us. We live a pretty good life. And yet we still complain about it. We live a pretty good life. And, and the moment you think that that's not good, the moment you think that your life isn't, oh, man, this, is, this really sucks and I should be. The moment you think that, here's what you should do. You should go, to a, go on a missions trip with the church or some organization to a third world country 
This changed my life probably about 17 years ago because I got really insulated. I'd been other places military, but I'd never been other places mission-wise. Went to Guatemala City with a missionary friend of mine. And I'd never seen anything like this in my life. And he took us into the city. Guatemala City is a huge place. And we went into the city dump. And we drove a 15-passenger van into the city dump. And we're driving around, and we get out the van, and we're walking. And about four of us, because we're in these groups, about four of us here, about four of us here, about four of us is walking over here. And some guy comes out and pulls a knife on us in the dump and asks us, what are we doing there? Because that's his territory. This wasn't gang-related. This was food-related. He thought we were trying to steal what belonged to him. And the missionary gave us some interpretation. He said, no, 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 wait, 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 we're just here. We just want to pray. We want to meet some needs. We've got some stuff in the van we want to actually give to you guys. He said, oh, come on. I met two families in this place they call the Lost City. They live in the city dump. I met two families of five that live in a refrigerator box. They live there. Little kids, two years old. One of them, 18 months old. They have no, they, they know nothing else. That's all they know. They try to chase down. You ever been near a, a dump and the birds that fly over there? They try to chase down birds. And if they can catch one, that's a good meal that night. And, and we're just cringing with that. You live a pretty good life. <laughs> what happens when we don't live ready is we get pretty insulated. And we forget that there are other people out there like that woman in the well that really needs hope beyond what we can give. And it changed my life forever. The last thing we do when we don't live ready is number three, we, we get away from the heart of the one we serve. And if the worship team can go ahead and get ready at this point. Listen, this, 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 may, this is where... Um, I'm going to warn you right now, because this may offend you, and I don't mean to, but it may. So when I say this, I need your eye contact a little bit, because I'm really nervous about saying this in church. Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine. Do you know that? Come on, do you really know that Jesus loves you more? You can't even comprehend his love. I mean, he sent his only son. We know those stories. But he loves you more than you can imagine. But listen to me, look at my eyes. You're not the only one he loves. <laughs> what am I saying? It ain't about you. It ain't about you. This is, this is going to be tough for you to hear. But listen, here, here's the real challenging part, okay? Are you still with me? He, he's not even thinking about you as much as you think he's thinking about you. Some of you just turned me off right there. You're just like, that's heresy. I can't even fathom that. No, 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 no. Listen, you're a Christ follower. He's thinking about, let me explain it this way. Have you ever lost something of value? Raise your hand if you have. Have you lost something of value? I'm not talking about your cell phone. Have you ever lost something of real value? Real value. When you lost it, what happened? Did you go frantic? Let me tell you about my life in this one incident. My daughter is, is, lives in China, and her and her husband, before they moved to China as a missionary, they, they're missionaries in China, in communist country, and I'm not going to tell you where, because that would be really, you know, we, we, another story. 
But the first time we went there, before they even decided to sign up, we went to shoot a documentary. Because my son-in-law is a graphic artist, filmmaker, all that kind of stuff. We, we went to shoot a documentary on what it's like to live in communist country as a Christ follower. They, they got bit by the bug while they were there, then moved back there and lived there for nine years as missionaries. <laughs> on that trip to go, we're in Shanghai Airport, and we've got about two hours to just kind of kill time. You ever been in an airport? It's like, what are we going to do? So you, Shanghai Airport, if you've ever been in it, it's got shops everywhere. So we're like doing what you do in the airport. You just go to this shop. You're not going to buy anything, but you just go to this shop, go to that shop. And we're looking around, and there's about 48 minutes left before our plane leaves. So we're like, hey, we need to kind of mosey on back to the gate. My daughter turns like pale blue. She says, daddy. I mean, it's been a long time since my daughter used the word Daddy. I can't find my passport, my license, my documents. It's gone. It's missing. I've lost them. Let me tell you, even saying this, there's emotions that still rise up in me. It's like, oh my goodness, we got 45 minutes before that plane leaves. And I'm not leaving. This is not like leaving your daughter in Philadelphia. This is communist China. Okay, are you with me? This is a world of a difference. And I'm not leaving. We're going through everything we can get through. We are frantically, frantically searching for this document, this, this notebook that she had. It's like a little whatever portfolio. She doesn't remember where she left it. If she even left it, we went back to the gate. It's not there. We went over here. We, and, and nobody seemed to want to help us. And I'm getting irritated at their inactivity. Are you with me? Because nobody seemed, and nobody, and then we had this language barrier. I can't speak their language, and they don't look like me, and I didn't look like them, so they didn't really care. There's this racial barrier thing going on, and I am messed up because now the time is clicking, and it's clicking fast, and we're running from place to place. We don't care if anybody thinks we're crazy. We don't care if they think we're late. We're running, trying to look. Where do we go? Where do we go? Where could it be? Where could it be? And we're asking people, and they're going, they don't know what we're talking about. If somebody would have come up to me then and said, hey, you want to go to lunch? <laughs> I'd have hit them. That was the disciples. Are you with me? That was their care. There's something valuable lost and something even more valuable may be lost. And I've got to find this passport. And finally, we get to this. And this one couple who's coming back from a honeymoon that's a younger couple speaks English and Chinese and Mandarin all at the same time. And it was beautiful because they saw that we were frantic and long story short they helped us and they took us to this place and somebody had found it and taken it to their lost and found and the security guards had it and we get back to the you know to the to the gate in time but as my daughter is coming down the escalator with this in her hand she looks at me in my eyes and just starts I mean bawling crying bawling crying because that which was lost had been found <laughs> and we're going to be okay during that time, the only thing I could think about was my daughter. Does that make sense to you? I've got two daughters. The other daughter was not in my head. <laughs> That's what I'm saying to you. I don't want you to be offended by what I said. He's not even thinking about you as much as you think he is. He's thinking about lost people a lot. There was even a story about that called the prodigal son. You ever read that? And when the son came back, the daddy went out and hugged the son ran down the road and the reason we know that daddies don't think about too many things that are found but that which is lost is because the other son got really jealous remember that one 
Why don't you think of me like that? I always think of you, but I had someone lost. See, when you lose something, you don't take inventory of that thing, stuff. You've, you know, if you lose your keys, you don't lose your keys and go, well, I at least got my car. <laughs> you don't take inventory of the things you found. It's all about that which is lost. Guys, there's 5.8 million people within five miles of us. And they're lost. But we're comfortable. When's the last time you said, come see somebody? Seriously, this is a turning corner for us as a church. Because we got to determine what, what's out there is lost. And they need to be in here. You know what I'm saying, don't you? But we can get real comfortable real quick. And I want to close this down because I can go forever there. And next week is even going to be even more detailed in this story. And we're going to go just a little bit further down the road in this. And you can't miss it. It's challenging. But it's also encouraging, isn't it, that Jesus is with you and can change you and challenge you all at the same time. All at the same time. What I'm saying is when you leave out today, yes, you're going to go to lunch and you're going to go eat something and all that's important and you've got to do it. But guys, this week, here's my challenge to you. Look in somebody's eyes like you never looked in their eyes before. Like you've never looked in their eyes, especially those that you work with, you live next to, that you've not talked to in a long time and ask this question. Hey, is everything Okay. That's a pretty loaded question for people today. Is everything okay? And if they say, yeah, everything's fine. No, no, no. I mean, in here. Why don't you come to church with me next Sunday? I believe that in three or four weeks, guys, if we really think this through, what we're talking about today, this place can be overflowing. Am I concerned about us having more people? Yes, I am. Because people have stories. And their story counts. And God wants to bring hope to that story, just like he brought hope to your story. And you all know those folks. Can we pray together? God, thank you so much for speaking to us today and challenging us. It is a challenge to look beyond ourselves. It is a challenge to not be insulated in the place that we live today. Lord, it is a challenge to think beyond us. It's a challenge because we live in a world that communicates with all kinds of messages that it is about us. But your message is totally the opposite. It is not about us. It's about you and those that have not been found. Now, with your eyes still closed all across this place, I, I just feel like compelled. I know time is running out on us and we need to move, but I feel compelled to ask. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything. I'm just asking you to be there where you are with eyes closed, thinking and looking within you right now and the people that are around you. I just want to start it off. Is everything okay in you? This is between you and God now. Are you okay? Everything all right? Any, any bitterness that's kind of rising up in there? Any stuff that you need to take care of so that you can get beyond you into a hurting world that needs hope? Everything okay? 
you deal with that the way you can deal with that. This is a moment that you can just simply ask Jesus to come in and fill it with water that we talked about today. The water of life, of hope, and get on that journey that goes forward from here. Father, thank you so much. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. And I pray, God, that you just continue to speak into our soul, into our heart, not just now, but throughout the week. Lord, let us be ready. Let us see people to this week, starting today, like we've never seen them before, that need hope. Because that's the way you see them, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.